Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue. Continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. It is a a red shirt Friday saying thank you to all veterans who have been there, done that, who have protected our freedom so that we, we can get together and have conversations. And that's exactly what Todd Hall and I are doing today. How do you like Studio North, Todd Hall? Sounds good. <laughs> you like, no, I mean, do you like the accommodations? Don't you like how we rolled out the red carpet? For oh, you? sure. Sure. And got Fear one of your heroes. Is this one of your heroes? I like him as an actor, sure. <laughs> that was a perfect qualification. I like him as an actor. Yeah. He's not my favorite cowboy actor, though. You Who's your who favorite? favorite cowboy actor is? Um, You're going to have come up with Jesse Wales or something like that. I like Clint Eastwood, but he's a, he's an actor. I said a cowboy actor. <laughs> Turns out that my father-in-law was a bull rider. And he was at the Exarban Rodeo riding bulls one year. And this guy came whisking through the rodeo to get attention for some movie. It was probably Outlaw Josie Wales. And he had to help Clint Eastwood get on a horse. Oh, really? How's that sit with you? I don't know, but he's not my favorite cowboy actor. <laughs> you ever hear of Ben Johnson? I did hear Ben Johnson. Okay. Now, now we're dating ourselves. He's my favorite cowboy actor. Excellent. Yep. My favorite cowboy movie is The Great American Cowboy. Have I seen that? Uh, it was back in the 70s. It's, it's, it's the real deal. It was about Larry Mahan and Phil Lyon. We just, and, didn't we just lose Larry Mahan? Yes, sir. This year. Yeah. Yep. One of my heroes. I got a bronc I need him for. <laughs> I, got, I got a horse that's causing me some troubles. Yeah. What's life like today in North Dakota as a rancher, Todd? Life is good. We're getting some rains. It's not uh, across the state. There's some parts that are dry, but, it, you know, ranching is, is still a is still a way of life. And I'd, I've come to North Dakota a lot. In the last 20 years, but never, and maybe this is just that way for everybody. Never have I driven 500 miles in the middle of August and saw all green. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's really nice to have a little moisture. The last few years have been a little tough with all the droughts and, and whatnot. And we've had our challenges in the state and, but how'd that hundred inches of snow treat you last year? Uh, Move snow every day. It gave me something to do. <laughs> You're short on things to do? <laughs> no. It just seemed like moving snow was just the the thing to do every day. Yeah. So I've read a piece that you've recently written about uh, tribal spending. And I think there's a great parallel with what's going on in tribal spending and federal government spending. And you brought... The way that you wrote something really brought how I need to shape things going forward. And I'll tell you how that is. But what was behind you writing and getting involved and speaking out as you have? Well, what it all started was uh, there was uh, on my tribal, on my allotted land, on my, my land I own that is held in trust by the United States on the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. I got a pipeline going across there, and uh, there's a, a oil company 
has been in trespassing for 10 years on my land and not just my land, but other landowners. And we've been trying to reach a, uh, settle the issue, but you know, the, with the, with the treaty rights and, and the federal laws, the way they're written, they're supposed to be, they're supposed to, uh, the federal government is supposed to have a trust responsibility and a fiduciary duty as a part of that, but they seem to be turning a willful blind eye to the law. And that doesn't sit right with me. And, um, 10 years later, you know, I, I sat down with the, uh, with the oil executives and stuff like that. And I still have faith that we can come to a consensus, but at the same time, uh, when I met with the federal government, uh, representatives, one of them, when we, we came in and sat down in Newtown and one of the first words, and actually it was Minot, this individual come, uh, I don't know if he was from out east or, or where, but, uh, the, one of the first words out of his mouth was, was condemnation. And that doesn't sit right with me. Land rights, uh, you know, civil rights, it all ties in. It's, it's, people think that, how do I say this? They were, when, I don't know, when they come in and tell you they're going to condemn your land. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a good feeling. It's not a, it's just, there's a matter of question. Do I own my land or not? And I understand, you know, condemnation laws and stuff like that for the public good and for, for utilities. And I, I understand that private business or, you know, that's a, that's another deal. It's kind of like the carbon solutions, uh, suing their way across the Dakotas right now. And, you know, any red blooded American that doesn't stand for their own rights or stand for their land rights, you know, I, I'd call you just a tourist because, you know, this country was founded on, and, and on people standing up for themselves. And that, that goes for my Native American ancestors and my family and everybody. If you're not willing to stand up for your rights, I don't know. So, Todd, if I can ask you this and uh, obviously say, uh, no, I don't want to address that anytime you want, but there is more of a growing sentiment today that the land was stolen from the American Indian. How do you respond to them? Uh, a lot of that's true. It is. And, you know, just think of somebody coming in, uh, to our home right now and just saying, you don't have any rights on, you don't own this uh, arena no more. Mm-hmm. And they, they just basically it's condemnation laws or, or condemnation. And, you know, when a person sits down and they come to an agreement about certain things, you expect both parties to honor those agreements. And, uh, isn't that the biggest deal is that there were agreements. Let's just take the black Hills. Obviously the, the core of the whole thing, 
there was an, a treaty. There was an agreement on what was tribal land and what wasn't. And then all of a sudden we discover gold in the Black Hills and, oh, never mind that treaty we made with you. And that's not just about tribal relations, Todd. That's what's happening today. That's what you're dealing with today. Ten years. Who has the ability to withstand ten years of fighting somebody who's trespassing on your property? And by the way, they're profiting from that pipeline across your property every single day. So in many ways, it's all the same issues just extrapolated into today's world. Yeah, and I'm not here to talk on behalf of all Indian people. I'm an individual, mm-hmm. and this is these are my opinions. But uh, yeah, it, it's it does something to you inside when you just know that you're being your uh, your rights are being violated. And I'm sure that you know it, it's not just Indian people. It's 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 a sentiment that's in this country right now. Right, and. Somehow we got to come together and remember who we are as a people and, and think about where we want to go and who we want to be as a, as a country. And to just allow, you know, corporations to come in and violate individuals' rights, whether it's on the reservation or not. Because, you know, you, you're probably familiar with what's going on with even the carbon solutions that that's a, that's a local issue here in, around Bismarck. And people stood up and came together. I seen you over at the Capitol that, that Monday, uh, with a group and some of my buddies were there and it doesn't sit right with people. And it, that's, that's the way everybody feels. We, we, we have our rights as, uh, as American citizens, as United States citizens. But I don't know. It seems like uh, big money wins the day. Yeah, that's what we're here to stop. We are no longer going to cave to big money winning the day. It is the will of the people, Todd Hall, myself. We will be back. And, you know, come to think of it, Todd's just provoked a thought we will kick off with in terms of corporations and shareholders. I want to remind you about the National Western. The commercial cattlemen are coming back in January 2024. The National Western is going to celebrate really what Todd and I are talking about here today. The history and the heritage and the culture of this country in providing and taking care of the creation, improving the creation, and improving human lives. The National Western will put that on display and has been doing that since 1906, but things are going to be different in 2024. Can't wait to see you in Denver. NationalWestern.com. We're back with more Roll Route after this. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Lewis alongside Todd Hall from North Dakota. Were you participating in rodeos when you go to all these rodeos? I used to rodeo. Yep. Uh, Barrel racing? No. I, I was bulldogger, <laughs> steer wrestler. Uh, You're supposed to get mad. No, Trent. I don't <laughs> Barrel racer. You look like a bulldogger. Well. That's a compliment because I look like a bulldogger. Well, thank you. Uh, Were you any good? Uh, I was I was decent, <laughs> but I hung I think a lot of time you embellished with me. I think you were a little better than decent. Uh, I got to hang around a lot of good good cowboys in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, many many throughout the nation. So I just uh, I don't just... like to toot my own horn because there's a lot better cowboys out there than me. Todd, is it just me or 
Is there like a resurgence in a rodeo beyond our circles? There's a resurgence in, in rodeo. Uh, I know that, uh, even a lot of the kids that are coming up in North Dakota here, you know, a lot of them I got to watch since the little, little kids rodeos and right. now they're out on the, in the PRCA and in the, the, uh, state, uh, organizations and associations and they're, they're doing really, really well. And you go to a rodeo and the stands are full and, and I, it's, it's really good to see. I, cause I, I am a rodeo fan. I, I participate and it's just, it's a good, good way of life. The Western, the Western lifestyle, it, as far as I'm concerned, is the, the backbone of this country. I think even people in our system, and I'm not an employee or a spokesperson for Beck News, but Beck Television Broadcasting has been broadcasting some of the rodeos this year. And I think there are people within that system. It's like, oh, wait, people really have an interest in this. Yeah, we could do a lot of things because it comes back to something that's real. It comes back to a skill. It comes back to dedication and effort. And when you get bucked off, you get up and get bucked off again. Yeah, there's so many life lessons in that. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's all kinds of life lessons that rodeo will teach you. Um, some of them hurt more than others. <laughs> well, Todd, seriously, there are some people that try to stay on a horse, and then there are other people that are on a great horse, a comfortable ride, and they jump off on the head of a steer. Now that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, but for some reason we call it fun. <laughs> Uh, so and the thing that's great about rodeo, Trent, is it's just not about the human athletes. You know, it's, it's the, it's the, the horses and the bulls and the, and the steers and the yeah. cat, every, every, uh, living being involved with that rodeo is a participant. And, uh, you know, some of them are quite famous and their, their names withstand the ages as well. So it's, it's all, it's about humans and animals and the connection uh, of the way, you know, that we exist in this world with our relationship with animals. And I don't know, you know, I, I, I I'm just going off on a tangent. No, I agree 100%. And with the exception of bull riding, there is no reason is <laughs> your producer is telling you, I think you're fidgeting too much. Okay. I'll try not to fidget. Tell her to calm down. <laughs> uh, with the exception of bull riding, every other aspect of rodeo has an application in taking care of animals. Yes, it does. And improving, making sure that we maintain the health and well-being of the animal. Bulls, they were made for breeding, not riding. I don't know where that comes from, but people love it. Yeah. I'm a bronc guy, not a bull guy, but... Every other aspect is about real life taking care of animals. Yep. Yep. You can't have a, a good rodeo with sick animals. So you always got to make sure your animals are healthy. Just like on your ranch, you want to have good, healthy animals and for a, a good product. If you don't, you ain't going to be around long. Yep. True story. Todd, back to the other topic of the day. The, the thing that you wrote in the piece that I read that just was like aha moment is that you were talking about tribal spending and I'm going to talk about U.S. federal government spending and that we are taxpayers. We're shareholders. 
You yeah. brought this front and center in this. Con- we are the, the shareholders of the United States of America or the state of North Dakota or the county of Sherman, whatever. You are a shareholder of those entities. And if we as the taxpayers would get back to realizing that we're actually shareholders, I think it changed the whole perception of how we go forward. And people need to get our permission as shareholders to do with our money collectively mm-hmm. with our money what they think they ought to do. Mm-hmm. It's not their job to just run haddock, whatever word I'm looking for, spending with no limits. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I'm a taxpaying citizen. And one of the biggest stereotypes in the, in the world or in the, you know, that I've encountered over the years is that, uh, Native American, American Indians don't pay taxes, which is complete hogwash. Mm-hmm. We are tax paying citizens as well. Federal taxes, uh, they're, you know, uh, so at, at times it's, it feels like you're funding your own oppression when we are. So it's, it's time just to say, Hey, we want a bang for our buck. We want, we want what government is supposed to do is, you know, take care of the public interest and the, the, the overall interest is just not being met in some cases. And, uh, there's just better ways to do things. How do we, what's your vision on getting there? I don't know. It's just the whole attitude that we got to come together as American people and, and not, sit and fight so much and argue and you know quit electing a class clown and start start electing some statesmen to go in there and take care of business because the business of the American people the Indian people is not being taken care of right now and that it's just the whole attitude you you watching news people watching news you you know I don't have to sit here and explain you know, some of the arguments that are being brought forth, we just need to sit and communicate and talk to each other. And I don't feel that's being done right now. We have what we call the information highway. We have more avenues of communication than ever before, and there's less communication takes place. That's right. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? It is. Sad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to expand it any more than that. Well, I think you, you you have to lead by example. And what we're doing here today, hopefully will spur somebody to say, you know, it's time we sit around and have more conversations. There might need to be more, more front porch conversations again, mm-hmm. more sitting around the campfire. Yep. More sitting, talking face to face instead of Facebook. You know, cause yeah, I don't have that problem. They eliminated it for me. I, they they kicked me off. Right? I didn't sign up. <laughs> I can't one up you. <laughs> so I, I have to bring this up, Ty, because it was uh, five very rewarding years of my life from 1998 to December 2002. I lived on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. And some of my dearest friends now are from the tri- from the reservation, our tribal well, members. people down there. Absolutely. And what I learned in five years is some of the stereotypes, which you kind of alluded to earlier, are absolutely false. Some of them are accurate. And it's about understanding the culture and, and what got everybody to this point. But I, what I'm walking into is that when I started doing radio, I went into a friend's 
shop in Parmalee. And there was a, an Indian in there, tribal member. And he, Joe introduced me to him. He said, you that guy here talking on the radio about farmers? I said, yes, sir, Trent Luce. He said, where do you reckon they'll put the farmer reservations? And at the moment, I thought it was kind of humorous. I no longer find it humorous because oh. it is about the ownership of land. That's what got us, you and I, to talk about this. This is what got you to come out of your comfort zone to explain that we have a, a movement to eliminate our ownership of the land, which that property rights is what our entire liberty is centered around. And that's where we're at today. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree totally. Uh, there's just, uh, I don't know how to even expand on that. You, you said it well. It's just, uh, you know, getting back to Vegas, one of the things that took me down there. We're going to go to Vegas. Okay. In a moment. Okay. We'll get back to Todd in a moment. I want to remind you that Certified Piedmontese delivers direct to your door. Well, as long as there's a delivery agent, we don't deliver to the door, but we use the shippers. It's all about tender beef. The Piedmontese breed originated in Italy, but American cattlemen have what Jerry Hofer calls Americanized these. What that means is that they calve easy. The docility is absolutely incredible. I cannot myself get over the docility. We've got two bulls. We're putting in some embryos next week, but we've got two Piedmontese bulls running with the cows, and I can just herd them. And then that carries over to their calves. Docility is a big deal. And it's a big deal for you, the consumer, as well, because if animals are content, the meat's better. So, the content animals, the tender beef, all leads to great eating experiences, and it's available on your computer, delivered to your door, certifiedpiedmontese.com. Welcome back. Current Loose, rural route to the program on a Red Shirt Friday, sitting here with Todd Hall. We are in Minokin, North Dakota at the moment. You had a whole day to go get... Ben Johnson or Larry Mayhaw to put them up here. You didn't get it done. No, I, I don't need to look at them. I got them right here. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> there is so much value in that statement right there. Too many people think they got to look at everything. So, all right, Todd, uh, when I interrupted you, you were about to say you went to Vegas. Tell us about why you went to Las Vegas. Yes, sir. And before we get going, you know, we were talking about favorite actors, too, and I would be remiss with myself if I did not mention Will Sampson. Will Sampson was one of my favorite actors of all time. Why? Because I met the man, shook his hand, went riding with him, and he was in Josie Wales too, by the way. He was Chief Ten Bears. Oh, really? So, yeah, he was He was a, a, a very a good actor, and I really enjoyed his work. Awesome. Just wanted to say that. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about some... Uh, misspending or some foolish spending as far as government and that's where you know uh, with the oil activity that we've had on the Fort Berthelden Reservation in the last few years, last decade I would say, you know there's been opportunities there that, that have presented themselves but at the same time there's kind of been some uh, what the folks at home have been calling squandering of our resources and misspending. And one of the things is when I read through or heard through the media that my tribe had bought property in Vegas, 
you know, uh, I'm not against, you know, trying to buy property and expand your economic opportunities and, you know, trying to uh, uh, do things of that sort. But it was that property. What does that mean, that property? The property that it, it's where the the Vegas shooting took place. Mm-hmm. And all, a lot of folks lost their lives and loved ones down there. There was, you know, from what I've read, over 800 people injured in that incident. And when I read that, it was just like, holy smokes. Are you kidding me? You're going to... and. The tribal chairman uh, at the time said, well, we don't know what we're going to do with this uh, property. We're going to put a business or a casino or, you know, something like that. And to me, that, that's just wrong. That, that, it's wrong. You don't just, you know, and I even, when I went down there, I said, and you think about the folks that lost their lives down there. They were just there to have a good time and, and to enjoy a Jason Aldean concert. Right. And then all hell broke loose. And I called it a battlefield because those folks, don't think for a moment, they were unarmed. They were, they were just enjoying themselves, uh, uh, enjoying the, you know, camaraderie amongst each other and just kind of raising hell and having fun. Next thing you know, that... They battled for their lives. It doesn't matter that they didn't have a gun in their hand and able to fight back, but they were trying to duck for cover and run and stuff like that. And I, I had some buddies that were down there, and really? they told they told me some stories about it, and it's just it wasn't a good place to be at the time. So when you when you think about that and what happened and the folks that lost their lives there, and I even went so far just calling it hallowed ground. And they said, well, you know, and I, I don't take my words lightly when I, when I call things that. And they say, well, what gives you the right? Well, the First Amendment gives me the right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, second of all is because I remember wounded knee. And my, our loved ones laying on that cold, hard ground. They were an arm, too. So I look at it through more than one eye I look at you know I remember the Twin Towers I remember Sandy Hook Sand Creek and all this mayhem that's going on in our country right now and I would just like everybody just to step back and say hey we're Americans we're red-blooded Americans. We can do better. And, you know, I, 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 I listened to your show. I've watched your show. And I've always enjoyed it. And, and the, the message that you bring across of trying to fill that gap between urban and rural is a gap that needs to be filled. There's just a, there's a disconnect with each other in our own country. So folks like you that try to get that and fill that gap, that's what needs to be done. You and I sitting here talking about it. 
maybe somebody will sit back, well, that guy's got a point, or they might say I'm full so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought for a moment when you were talking about we can do better, and then you started talking about my broadcast, I thought you were going to include, you could do better, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I can do better, too. <laughs> I try to be a better person than I was yesterday. It's so, not always easy. Have you had anybody answer the question, first of all, why the tribe is investing in this property in Las Vegas? Um, no. No. There's, there's no, no, it hasn't been a clear answer. Um, time will tell. How many people are asking the question? Uh, a large majority of the tribal members. Good. Yes. So it's it's uh, it's not in and a lot of the tribal members feel exactly the way I do too. You know, not everybody's uh, uh, real vocal about it. Are going to be you know they're just they're just like the silent majority in this country. People aren't you know with uh, a moral backbone. Are choosing to stay silent for some reason, you know. And sometimes you got to speak up when it's. And you know, if you read that, I said these aren't political issues. These aren't. It's about right and wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, I don't know how. How would you feel about somebody building a casino down there? You know, I can tell you how I feel about it. How do you feel, Trent, about somebody building it? You know, on any of those, on any of those sites. It just so I'm sure there's somebody advocating that um, we need a, a, a memorial, we need to pay tribute to the people who lost their lives, but that the casino is uh, a symbol that we can move beyond this and that we won't let people destroy uh, whatever that may be progress if you want to use that term. Life won't destroy life. But from there's your that, yeah, there's from, that argument. I, I understand. That. From your standpoint, I, I think it's a completely different thing because you're a shareholder in this this corporation. And I didn't use the word corporation on purpose, but it might fit. Uh, you're a shareholder in this corporation, and when they spend this money, they're accountable to the shareholders. Exactly. And I think that is the point that you made very loud and clear. And that's the point that we, as citizens of this country, who continue to pay taxes, pay taxes. I got a buddy at Stewartsdale, North Dakota. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name's Marty Beard. Yep, he's infamous. He's something. <laughs> he's a good buddy. But a long time ago, Todd, he said he looked up the data and he said, you know, we had a revolutionary war because we had taxation without representation, and the taxation that they had at that time is a fraction. Of the taxation we have today and, and here's where we're at and I keep repeating this story but this is what people don't seem to grasp but it kind of comes back to your story with your 10 year battle of trespassers on your land you're still paying mortgage you're still paying the taxes and if anybody who signs an easement no longer has control over what they're paying to maintain somebody else has complete control of what you are paying to be your property it's not your property if somebody else can tell you you can't plant a tree on your property that's right and at the end of the day that's really what it comes back to it comes back to the land that's right that's right and then there's a you know on the reservation there's there's different classifications of land 
and I'm a landowner on the reservation and there's trust property and then there's fee land. On the fee land, you, you pay taxes on it, just like you would around Bismarck or right. Dickinson and stuff like that. And I own, I own both on the reservation. And uh, so I got a clear understanding that on this side of the fence, I have rights as a United States citizen. When that, on the other side of the fence, on my trust property, and the way it's being held, uh, uh, this particular case is being presented by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, is that they have a say, and the law has, uh, you know, different classifications, and, and there's, there's a trustee relationship and a ward relationship. A ward is where you are incompetent non compass mentis. So they do the thinking for you. But the laws are written, if you're a competent individual, you have a say in your land. But the way it's being handled right now, this this, this trespass situation, is that everybody is being ruled incompetent. I'm being ruled incompetent because I don't even have a say of my own land. And they're doing they're, they're uh, when I say they, I'm just saying some bureaucrats, you know, that, that can't come, uh, that I've been dealing with, that we've dealt with. And to, to have somebody come in and treat you like you, you're incompetent, that, that puts a burr under anybody's blanket. Well, actually, I'm going to take it, that's the first time I'm going to take issue with what you said. I believe you 100% we're being treated as we're incompetent. Too many people are rolling over saying, oh yeah, well, it's better that the government makes these decisions. Too many people are acting like they're incompetent and that allows them to continue to grow and why you and I need to continue. Hold that thought, Todd Hall. We'll be back with more Lignite Energy. You know, this is very concerning. Every day I hear more concern, more reason to be concerned about the coal that powers our electric supply. Get details about the future of coal and how we need each one of us get active and preserve it at Lignite.com. And while we talk about making things better, Apache sprayers make things better. I mean, weed control, it's about preserving our food supply. Simpson Farm Enterprises and High Plains Apache have partnered to get the message out And you can talk about technology, you can talk about the equipment, you can talk about reliability, but the service is what separates Simpson Farm Enterprises and High Plains Apache. On the web at highplainsapache.com. More Roll Rod after this. Welcome back, y'all. Trent on the loose. And just for clarification, during the break, Todd Hall. Apparently, Marty is monitoring our conversation because he said he's changed his mind. It was about the confiscation of powder and firearms and ammunition that led to the revolution. Glad we got beyond that part. Oh, wait. <laughs> Since January of 2021, the revoking of federal firearms licenses has increased by 500%. So some things never change. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Uh, I believe in the Second Amendment. I'm not a politician that has to dress up like a cowboy or or uh, you know dress in orange around election season to show people how down to earth I am 
or use a makeup artist to get my hands dirty. You know, that's that's the kind of American I am. I'm just your average, everyday citizen, in other words. And it's just uh, we got to stand up for our rights in this country. And and but at the same time, a lot of a lot of the disconnect, what we talked about earlier, it has a lot to do with that too. So yeah, you know. I think it would be time well spent, Todd, for us to just to go back a little bit. You were talking about land ownership on the reservation uh, and uh, fee grazing or fee use of land, and there's three different things. But if people live in North Dakota, they may be they may live next to a reservation. They don't really understand the schematic, so to speak, that there are deeded acres on a reservation. I don't think people that don't live in the Great Plains even understand that. Would you kind of just give us a 34,000-foot view of how that structure takes place? A lot of the fee lands were opened up through the Dawes Act back in the 1800s and opened it to, uh, you know, uh, you know, folks like my family and stuff like that uh, lived on the reservation at the time. It was just, uh, you know, people lived in communities or they had their ranches here and there. Uh, yeah, we we ranched and lived in the country for a long time, but uh, when the government opened it up to settlement through the Homestead Act and whatnot, it opened you know it brought taxation and, and you know a lot of the uh, people that moved in then and, and so there's there's fee land which is is taxed and it can be owned by non-Indians or Indians. Uh, then you got the trust land, or uh, uh, which is held in uh, trust by the United States government, and you know there's individual ownership on those allotted lands. There's a uh, like myself, I have I have a, a lot of interest. You know I, I own land that's held in trust. There's not, uh, and then there's tribal land which is uh, basically kind of like your state school lands and stuff like that, just mm -hmm. to use it as a comparable, just so people yep. kind of understand. Perfect. And uh, But what I wanted to get to is, even though you've walked through all of that, and if it's deeded land, this would not fit, but any of the trust land or the fee land or the tribal land, it should be under the jurisdiction of the tribe. But the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which is the part of the Department of Interior, still rides herd over everything that's done on tribal lands. And that is a violation of the, this Constitution, which says everything should be local. Yeah, the way the federal government right now is dealing with Indian people is it, it's uh, forgetting about its, uh, its contract or its treaty with uh, individuals. That could, because the, the, the contracts were made with individuals and the recognition of you know the, the 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 leadership and stuff like that, but the way the federal government is, they just are starting to recognize the tribal governments and not the rights of the individuals that make up the citizenry of the tribes. So that is what we're running into, and and on the on our reservation, the tribal uh, business council has no, how would you say, jurisdiction or right. over allotted lands because it's my land. It's just, you know, it's the same way with ownership off the reservation. Uh, 
So that, that relationship uh, uh, exists between myself and the tribal council is that we have, you know, my land and they, you know, the, the collective land of uh, everybody. But the federal government is failing, and I'll, I'll say the Bureau of Indian Affairs because there are there are part, good parts of the federal government. I'm not going to sit here and badmouth my country and 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 say it's all going to hell in a handbasket because we are still the best country, the greatest country in the world. When they deal with the individual, they're just saying, "Well, we're just going to listen to the government and not these guys." You know the the the. And it's that way. It, uh, it's that way in states. It's it that is. way in counties. It's that way. In and I think there's another analogy that we've got to get to. And I support casinos. I'm not anti-casino. If people are willing to go drop their life savings a quarter at a time in a machine, that's their, cho- their choice. That's their choice. Nothing wrong with that. I agree. And I have no problem with the tribe. In fact, I've worked closely with the Ho-Chunk and, and the Winnebago's in Nebraska on some projects. I spent seven months on the gaming commission in Nebraska, so I got to see the inside inner workings. I have no issue with what's going on in casinos. But what I do think, and I want your take on this, is that the federal government is working to eliminate our rights. There's no doubt about that. With pipelines, with easements, with wind towers, you name it, uh, endangered species. There's no end to where they try to eliminate our rights. And it seems to me that sometime back they figured out that if we let the, the tribe build a casino and they'll have money and they'll have money to give to the people for projects, which has happened. You mm-hmm. can talk about how corrupt that's been. Yeah, it's it, not all bad. It, it has happened. But it's almost like as if collectively the tribe has forgotten about what's the most important asset of the, the reservation or not the reservation, the most important aspect of the tribe itself is you, the person and the individual liberty that people have through land ownership and, and I'm not just talking about land to raise food, I'm talking about land living for your home, to, your thoughts are property and we're not even being allowed, you already spoke to that, we're not allowed to have a thought and share our thoughts and so it's almost like the casino is a way to distract people in tribal culture about what's really important for the future. Yeah, and a lot of that is just uh, trying to expand economic opportunities. But, you know, when we start talking about money and we start talk, talking about that kind of thing, what gets left out of the conversation a lot of times and not just on the reservation, but throughout this nation, I believe, is that you got to worry about the standard of living and the quality of life. How do we collectively come together to raise the standard of living for every individual, the quality of life? Isn't that what's more important than a bank account? Because, you know, what's a million dollars going to do for you if you're an invalid? You know what I mean? So, Todd, I think the perfect way for us to finish this is as you walk through the quality of life. As a rodeo participant, you were demanded and there were uh, parameters that you had to follow for the quality of life of the animals that are participating in rodeo. And that's been extrapolated not just to rodeo, but everyday life. We as animal owners are expected to achieve a certain standard for the quality of life of the animal. And in 2023, the data is clear that homelessness continues to increase. 
we don't see the same pressures coming for the quality of life of the most important resource on earth, that is people and one another. Where do we get back to the, how do we improve the quality of life for the human being? That's what it's about. That's a good question. And that, that is where we need to communicate and talk and, and listen to what the people are saying. And it's just like it, it comes down to my situation on the reservation when the federal government is saying that I'm a, I'm a trust beneficiary and the Bureau of Indian Affairs is going to uh, talk about the best interest of the Indian or the individual. When you have somebody come that don't even know me and starts making decisions on what is in my best interest and doesn't even ask me what is in my best interest, we got a problem. And that is what is probably one of the biggest challenges in this country right now is that you have, you know, certain representation in different aspects of the country where you have individuals that don't get out breathe in dust you know trail dust or you know get their hands dirty work hard sweat work try to make a living try to make ends meet making decisions for us and not asking us what we truly need or what is in our interest as an individual as a, uh, a community, it's just, we need to close that gap in this country. And Final thing, Todd, um, the one attribute of life on the reservation that, that I had for five years, we went to as many rodeo, or rodeos and powwows as we could. And this might be a shock to people, but I've never seen in a grand entry at a powwow, a greater display of patriotism and love for country than you will see with veterans and non-veterans participating in a powwow and showing love for the United States of America. People need to see that. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, myself and, you know, my family is, how could you not love this country? And you know the old saying, love it or leave it. <laughs> there is no better way to end this program than that right there. You bet. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Trent. Todd Hall. Love it or leave it. Todd, I think too many times we try to make simple things more difficult, and you just simply told the truth. Todd Hall, my friend here from North Dakota. I think we had a great discussion about... Uh, What's going on with Americans today, whether you happen to be of German descent or American Indian, doesn't really matter. We once again come together and say thank you to our nation's veterans, active duty first responders. The Wall of Honor has done a tremendous job doing that. The All-American Beef Battalion continues to do that. What are you doing to help say thank you? By saying thank you, we show respect, we show honor, but we also become vested ourselves in our future and what 
our, what the world is going to be that our kids are growing up in and grandkids. Thank you, all veterans, first responders, and active duty. All roads do lead to a roll route.